This week on Three Sides of the Coin, what is Gene like more? Pussy bowling or manly bowling? We find out with our guest Lou Brutus. And if Mark ever orders something from you, you better ship it fast. <laughs> this is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things kiss i want to rock and roll all night you're listening to three sides of the coin everybody welcome back to another episode of three sides of the coin i'm one of your three co-hosts michael Brandvold. as always we've got ed and much and much no we've got tommy and mark here this week as well um so just a real quick reminder don't forget to check out three sides of the coin radio on station head install the app just search for three sides 24 7 365 kiss and kiss related music going all the time um follow us on spotify subscribe to us on youtube means a lot to us do we have anything else we need to plug right now Oh, um, we should talk about um, putting together a new contest for the Alice Cooper uh, autographs. Yes. So, all right. So we won't have it ready by the time this airs, but let's target for two weeks. So Tommy got some photos he took of Alice autographed by Alice, and we're Mm going to give them away. Yeah. As we always do with just an email address to enter. So look in a couple weeks for the contest sign-up information to win an autographed Alice Cooper photo. What are they, 8 by 10s Yeah. I've got three of them. Three of them. So we'll have three winners. Yes. So check in a couple weeks. We'll have more details on that. Um, all right. Any KISS-related stuff we need to chat about? Before we get into our guest here, Mark, any updates you can share us about all of your KISS work? Since you're all over the press. <laughs> no, it has been. Uh, it has been. Today was. Uh, uh, today's been. Last two days. You know, they've been wanting some information for the documentary. They're asking me to get a hold of some people. And later in this episode, I have to leave because of. Uh, some kiss documentary stuff and uh all good and uh also i I mean i guess i can i can talk about this i've also been talking to uh eric carr's sister loretta uh she's doing something special for something a new project uh, all about her brother and uh she's asking me to go through my archives to uh to help some stuff help with some stuff uh She's looking for stuff that maybe hasn't been seen before and uh, or at least out, you know, popular, uh, you know, stuff that I guess you guys haven't seen a million times. So I have to dig deep into my archive and see what I can help her out with. But uh, no matter of fact, because I, I, I just talked to Loretta a little bit ago, she uh, she's hoping to have this thing out within the year. Uh, I don't know a ton about it. Uh, we just started. She just asked start asked me to get involved recently so um anyways uh, again you know no different than with kiss it's just it's just an honor to be asked to, to you know help tell their story and uh, pr- 
pretty pretty cool stuff. So, um, I mean, here's here's the thing that I'm wondering about. I mean, um, you know, the the white elephant in the room here. Kiss is going to be. I, I put I put it this way. I just saw one of my my favorite bands of the last twenty years, uh, the Super Suckers, just canceled their uh, tour of Italy or the shows they're doing in Italy. Yeah, Kiss's got some shows coming up in Italy you know, over the summer, and I'm just wondering all this crazy stuff that's going on. You know, I'm like, is that going to affect? Uh, I, I, yeah, you know, touring in uh, in in Europe and stuff. Well, so. and and I I was going to add, you know, because. I work in the music I industry. I, I There's don't a, want to spend a ton of time talking about that stuff, but that's, that's no, no, re- it's 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 real. It's real. You know, there is. I'm in some artist managers groups on Facebook, and in the last couple of days, there's a lot of discussions by managers about what's going to happen here. What 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 will happen? the The basic consensus is this could wreck havoc on the touring business havoc on it because you've already got major conventions being canceled the the major game developers conference in san francisco was canceled major so far south by southwest hasn't been canceled but major people are pulling out of it like facebook is pulled out of it google is pulled out of it at some point enough of these major sponsors pull out and you can't have an event tours what does that mean you know for touring and not just overseas but as things start happening in the u.s as well are u.s tours going to be postponed delayed cut short um this is big we've never really had to deal with this before yeah. So, anyways, I was, I was, you know, I, I what I want to talk about one non-kiss thing, just because I'm so effing pissed off. No, Tommy knows what I'm about to talk about. I ordered the new Ozzy record. Oh from, from. <laughs> Did it what, come with a piece of meat? No, no. This, I'm serious about this. I'm not fucking around, and I'm, I'm just venting because I got a fucking platform, so they can go fuck themselves. I went to the official. Ozzy Osbourne site because I'm not a streamer. I buy my fucking music because I think that's the way you're supposed to do it. I'm I don't like I don't have a Spotify account. I could give a fuck less about it. Plus they have stuff that I like on that not you can't even get on there. So anyways, to make a long story short, I went and I bought the vinyl and I bought the CD and I paid extra for day of release in postage. To get it the, the day it's released, I still don't have it. It'll be two weeks on Friday. And you want to talk about, you know, um, horrible fucking uh, uh, customer service. Customer service. Like uh, two days ago, they finally get a hold of me and go, oh, here's the here's a download thing for your troubles. And I'm like. Um, don't you think you should have sent that on the 21st of February on the release date yeah. as I'm watching all my friends on Facebook talk about their feelings on the new record? When I was in Minneapolis, when I was with Tommy, I went out and bought the picture disc just because it had a download card 
because I, I couldn't wait any longer. And it was the day after it was released. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, you know. So I'm telling you right now, I would never, ever buy anything on the official Aussie site ever again. Absolute worst fucking customer service. I still don't have my stuff. I paid extra to get it delivered the day of. And you know what really pisses me off? And I said this in an email. I typed it up. Because they said it's a production problem. I said, hey, jackasses, go down to fucking Best Buy or Target or your local record store because I want mine. Here's an idea. Walk into the store, buy it, and overnight it to me. You know why? Because that's what I paid for. Still don't have it. That kind of stuff pisses me off. You, you know, you, you've, you've got every right to be pissed off, and you may not be aware of this, but this is a problem not with just Ozzy. So in the music industry over the last year or so, try and keep this short, all the major labels used to distribute their own music. Warner Brothers did their own distribution. Universal did their own distribution. Sony did their own distribution. Everybody had their own distribution warehouses and teams and everything that was in charge of direct sales, like through Ozzy.com, or sending product to retailers. Well, about, I don't know, a year or two ago, basically what happened is all these major labels decided, you know what, we can save a boatload of money by merging all of our distribution into one. So a third-party company sold all the labels on this. It'll be more efficient. It'll be faster. It'll be less problems. You'll make money, blah, blah, blah. We will become the one distribution warehouse for all record labels, major and even a lot of indies. Well, as you've explained, Mark, that didn't quite go as smoothly as everybody had hoped. Well, you it's, know, Mike, it's, my been, it's been a problem for uh, months and months and months. Well, and you talked about this on one of your yeah, music we, 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 Yeah, we talked about this because it's actually... Yes, it's pissing off major label customers, but it's actually potentially killing independent labels who live and breathe by getting their product into a record store, and they can't get their products into record stores who ordered the product to sell it on release day. So they nobody buys it from the record store and turns around and gets it from Amazon or somebody else. Well, that's that's the whole thing, Michael. Everyone, I, I had half a dozen friends who who got it from Amazon, who got it the day of, and they just paid regular fucking shipping. Yep. You, you know what I mean? I paid extra. I got the vinyl. That's the whole thing. I have Ozzy's entire catalog on vinyl. I wanted to keep that intact. I wanted a copy of the CD. So, you know, I bought that too. So as a fan, I you know, I made sure I, my base is covered. And what I could have went to Amazon Prime. I'm an Amazon Prime, you know, customer. But I'm like, you know, I'm going to get it from Ozzy's site because that, you know, put, put all my business there. And the worst part was the fucking customer service could yeah. not be any more inept. And I'm like, you got. And again, just the ad because I just got the, the 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 download thing just a couple days ago. And I'm like, great job. You know, you gave it to me ten days later. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for helping me out. You know, just and then that's another thing. If somebody like me who's on social media, I would have 
I'm watching other people talk about the record. You know what I mean? Wouldn't you want to get that record in as many people's hands? So they because because music geek people do do that. You're going to talk on on social media about you know the record and is it good, bad, or whatever. I for one absolutely love it. Um, I love the music. It has nothing to do with the album, but you, it'll be a cold day in hell before I fucking spend a dime on that fucking uh, Aussie site. Uh, you know, if, put it this way: he's got shirts and all this other stuff there. Fuck that! I'm going to go to eBay. I'll go some. I'll go anywhere other than that piece of shit place. Yeah, I mean, at at the end of the day, this distribution disaster, and it's literally a disaster in the in the music business, is impacting the fans and the record stores the smaller indie record stores because the product isn't going out you walk into your indie record store and you want to buy a new release it's not there not because the the store didn't order it because they ordered it months ago when it was made available to them the freaking distribution center can't send here here's here's just one example of how crazy it is so it got so messed up that a store might order 20 copies of an album. And in the past, you'd like put 20 copies in a box and send that one box with 20 albums to the store. Some stores are getting 20 boxes with one album in each box. <laughs> it's, you know, the, the it, and the customer service is, as you explained, the customer service isn't Ozzy's customer service. It's this distribution company is completely fucked as well they can't but do that anything was, that was the, that was the thing that bothered me michael is that the that's not don't fucking you know piss on my leg and tell me it's raining sort of thing you know what i mean that they told me it was a production problem bullshit okay i'm not fucking 10 years old okay just tell me look look we're fucking up we're whatever just tell me the fucking truth don't lie to me that's the part that pisses me off because here I am in Minneapolis. Tommy takes me to this really cool record store. Not only do they have the vinyl and the CD, they got the picture disc. So it wasn't a production problem. It was a problem on your end, keeping your word. Because this store in the middle of, of the Midwest had no problems getting the CD, the regular vinyl, and the picture disc. And the only reason I, had, I bought the picture disc is because it had a download card, and I didn't buy the the picture disc through the through the, the the website because i didn't i didn't think i was ever going to own it but it wasn't something i was really interested in i mean i'm glad i got it now because i got the record finally but i'm like is this how, you want to know why people aren't going to go buy your music this is why oh no you're you're 100%. one of the biggest pet peeves i have in the business is when as a fan I try and give a band ten dollars for their music, and they just won't sell it to me. They just they just won't sell me the music. I'm like, here, I've got fucking ten bucks. Here's cash right here. How do I buy your album? Oh, it's not available on digital downloads. It's not available online. You've got to PayPal me personally twenty bucks, and then I'll go ship it out myself. It's like, no bullshit. I want to give you money. Take my money and send me the product. If you can't do it the right way, you don't deserve to be in business as a band. Yeah, it's it's it it really is just a a totally frustrating thing. Especially, it's funny because like our guest says coming up, um, 
you know, I, those are my two favorite places too, man. Going to the bookstore and going to the record store. And they're, he's absolutely right. They're the harder, you can't find them anymore. As Tommy got to watch me in action at the record store, I, man, I, I, I go through everything and I found some really cool stuff. Which store did you I take him in, to? I took him to Mill City in Hopkins. That, that was the one. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic yeah. store. You know what I like so much about it? It was very clean and well-organized. And, uh, you know, I was able to find, I pulled two or three really cool things out of there. And I was so fucking happy that I did. And again, they had the new Ozzy. You know, they, they had, I could have bought the CD and the record there. I would, in retro, you know, in retrospect, I, I wish I would have. And, and then told, you know, the official Ozzy store to go fuck themselves. But, you know, I figured, okay, whatever, it's going to be a day. And then the following Friday, it's still not here. Now it's Tuesday of the following week. It's still not here. And I'm like, this is just plain old stupid, you know? And, and yep. I, 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 again, you just don't think that that kind of thing would happen. I could see if I bought something that was limited edition or, you know, hard to find or but this is his new record. Wouldn't you want to get it into everybody? Anybody who sent you money, you should be able to get them something. And that's what I'm talking about, the digital download. Why didn't you send that on the 21st? Yeah, no, you should have. If you, knew it was, if you knew it was going to be delayed, you should have immediately, day of release, said, hey, we apologize, we know it's going to be delayed, but here's the digital download for you immediately. Oh. And by the way, I paid for it. You know what I mean? I paid you months ago for to get the product on the twenty first. That that's the part that just you know, hey, as a business it, owner, it's if, just if, drives it, me if, if, if it turns into a four year wait, check back in with us. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, five going on five people. Well, anyway, so yeah, that that really. So, 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 Tommy, you had to listen to Mark put a quarter in himself all weekend? No, he was really good. He was just upset for about 10 minutes, and then, then it passed because we went back into the kiss bubble, and it was all smiles again. And then, yeah, <laughs> then we were warm and fuzzy and happy. <laughs> well, you, you yeah. know what? But before we get to our guest, why don't you guys give us a quick um, review of the evening with Tommy Thayer? There's nothing quick about it if we go into detail because that was whatever a whole you want, whatever you want to do. I mean, as well, long no, as you want. But I, I, look, think it, I think we should talk two about things. it. We got to get to our guest, and I got to get to dinner. It's uh, it's ten after seven. So Tommy, take it away. I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll chime in when I. Can. Well, we'll share it with you guys as soon as we can. It's being mixed right now, um, so we'll get it out as soon as we can. It it was a, a fascinating conversation. I learned a lot about him as a person and just a lot of really great stories that if you're a KISS fan, you're going to want to hear. Um, it was a great event. Sean at Fan HQ and all of his staff do a terrific job. They're so organized. Everything moves smoothly. There's no, there, nobody got pissed. Nobody didn't get what they wanted. Everyone got their autographs and their photos and the photos all turned out great because we had Kyle doing all the pictures and it was just it was a wonderful event and i highly recommend any of you if you're fans of different artists when we do one of these i know it's in minnesota but dude it's worth flying up for it's that cool because it's intimate there was maybe about 150 people there it's it's a it jammed them into this bar 
And it was just a fantastic evening, you know, and everyone left with a smile on their face. And you know who else left with a big smile on his face? Tommy. Tommy. Tommy Thayer. Tommy yeah. Thayer had such a great time with the fans. I think he was every bit as, as – uh, and, 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 and I tell you what, as a KISS fan – Tommy, I know you agree with me. That was so cool. He he loved the love that he got from from you guys. It, yeah. It, you, trust me, because we were with him the rest of the evening, and we saw him for a while the next day. He loved it, talked about it constantly, how cool you guys. So everybody who went through, you have no idea. He was just as happy that you came out as, as you were that you came out. It was really, really that special. <laughs> And I think he was pleasantly surprised because he didn't necessarily know what to expect, even though I did set I did sit down with him a couple of weeks earlier face to face. And we went over all of this. So I prepared him uh, size of the room, number of people. all this, So he knew. But I don't think he really knew like the questions. And, and that's another thing I got to hand it to the folks who, who attended. They came up with great questions, not like, you know, what's your favorite Kiss song? It, it, it was actually interesting conversation, which led to, to other stuff. And I think that he was he was very happy with that. And um, it was just a great event. And like I said, kudos to everybody that showed up and, and was supportive. And again, Sean at Fan HQ and his staff, they're wonderful people. They work so hard and do such a great job. And to outtakes. The, the venue in which we have it, which is a bar restaurant. And uh, it's just, it's the best of, of both worlds. And it was a lot of fun. And then, oh, we should tell them then later. And there's, look, Mark and I have so much to tell you guys, and we will share it with you. We promise him he's not hedging, but he's, he's hangry. And, uh, you know, we want to get to the guests. So we will, at a future date, talk about maybe, this. Maybe in, a, maybe in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. There was so much cool shit that happened. In 72 hours, it's just like... We could almost do a, a show just on Mark and Tommy's, or Tommy and Mark. Kiss concert. Yeah. Our, our Tommy. But I will tell you this. So we went to a Matter event, and we've talked about Matter before. So for any of you that, that want to get involved or you want to find a charity to work with, Matter is a local uh, charity here in Minnesota that works globally, and they, they feed children, and they also do a lot of really cool things. They take those old... Um, metal shipping containers that you'll find, you know, in Long Island at the at the shipping uh, docks, and they will convert them into makeshift hospitals so women can give uh, birth to babies in their in a sanitary environment. They they fill them full of school supplies and, and computers and set up workstations so kids around the country that may not have access get to work on an Apple computer and learn about computers. They do you know things for fresh water. They do food, all these different things. So if you want to get involved. It's matter m-a-t-t-e-r dot org gene is heavily vested in this uh charity and so he was in town they had a day off and he was kind of co-hosting this event for a bunch of of people in the minneapolis st paul area and uh, so we took tommy out to that and this house <laughs> it's a 16 million dollar home it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen and they had two bars and one bar was in the basement, but then they had a sub-basement. And it was nothing more than a bar with a huge stage. And so they had mic'd drum kit. They had amps. They had uh, microphones. They had guitars, basses, you name it. And they had a mixing board and a PA system. And so when we got there, the um, 
So the karaoke was in full throttle at that point. But they'll the owners are just huge music enthusiasts, so they'll have people come over and they just jam. And it was just so wonderful, and they were so very gracious to us. Um, it, it was just a wonderful evening. I don't know what else to say. Oh, Tommy. It's the podcast, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was what the owner said to us. Oh, it's the podcast, guys. <laughs> So yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, lots more to do. We we could yeah. uh, we could fill an entire episode with uh, our 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 time there. All right, we, so so yeah. let, let, we'll 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 save that for a couple weeks. Um, yeah. Let's move into. We've got a great special guest um, today. We are joined by radio personality, photographer, author. He wears many hats. Lou Brutus joins us and uh he's got a book coming out next month called sonic warriors my life is a rock and roll what is it reprobate 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 yeah um forward is by Corey taylor um lou shares some great rock and roll conversations with us including two amazing kiss stories one about gene simmons and pussy bowling and the second one about bob ezrin yelling at kiss it's pretty awesome too yeah so you want to listen to this i mean lou lou's heart and soul is rock and roll he lives and breathes this and great guy awesome guy check out his book sonic warrior when it comes out next month and give it a listen lou brutus Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and Shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. Everybody in Three Sides of the Coin world, I want to welcome a very special guest to the show this week. We're joined by Lou Brutus. Lou, thank you, Lou. Lou has been one of the most acclaimed, beloved, and respected radio hosts for the last three decades. Through his 23-plus years of national syndication, 19-plus years at Sirius XM Satellite Radio, and successful work in Chicago, Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and Providence, as the saying goes, up and down the dial, right? He is instantly re- he is an instantly recognized voice to radio listeners across North America. Lou's got a new book coming out next month. We're going to talk about the book. And he's got some KISS stories to share with us because we are a KISS podcast. That's what we do. So, Lou, well, did I miss anything about about your illustrious career here? <laughs> uh that was a lot i, I don't sleep much uh I'm, you know i actually sing in a couple of crazy bands and i do a lot of photography and I, I think there's some other things in there but let's let's actually talk about kiss to begin with which is why i love you guys so much there is actually a kiss chapter in the book and i think by way of explanation the uh the book is a memoir and each chapter is a standalone story uh, from some crazy shit that's gone on in my career. And I think if anybody does anything for 40 plus years, 
They're going to see some crazy things go on, but I think that's uh, particularly true in the rock and roll world. Um, yes. But the, uh, the, the Kiss-related chapter is the time I learned that Gene Simmons is the hottest bowler in the land. And uh, I'd known the Kiss guys going back quite some time, and uh, I was in Providence doing my own show for the first time. Uh, during the course of the Hot in the Shade tour. And uh, I don't know if any of you guys remember, there had been a KISS fan club up there called the New England KISS Collectors yep. Network. That was KISS. Uh, John and Karen Lesniewski, if I remember. Yep. Oh, yeah, that one. I thought, yep. I, all right, now I know what you're talking about. That was the one who did the very first KISS book. Expo and book. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, I remember Eric Carr coming in for the expo uh, 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 yep. and uh, other band members and stuff through the years. Anyway, they were uh, they were amongst the first listeners I had um, uh, on uh, 94 HJY, the big rock station up in Providence. And uh, each Friday night to kick off the weekend, I started doing a, a feature called Kissin' Time uh, because that was one of those areas of the country that never... Uh, abated in their love for Kiss. So I became uh, a, a very vocal Kiss fan on the air there in New England, more so than I had ever been able to be previously in my uh, in my career. And uh, the Kiss Collectors Network got a hold of that, as did the other Kiss fans in southern New England. And the band really took notice. I had, um, uh, I had had lots of interactions with them before, but I think they were deeply appreciative of the fact that I was, you know, such a big fan and, and was such a supporter and played them so much. Uh, I think we all know that Kiss has never gotten uh, a fair shake from a lot of radio. No, not so anyway, all. the Hot in the Shade tour gets announced and they're coming to the Providence Civic Center. And uh, it's a big deal. Uh, Providence uh, has not always been a, uh, 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 an A-list stop for a lot of tours, but KISS was coming. And uh, a week or so before the gig, the hotline in the studio rings while I'm on the air. And, and uh, I hear a voice on the, hello, this is Gene Simmons from KISS. Can I speak to Lou Brutus, please? And I said, you know, hey, hey, Gene, it's Lou. How you been? Well, Lou, I don't know if you're aware, but KISS is playing at the Providence Civic Center soon. And I'm like, uh, yeah, Gene, I, I think we're aware of it. It's kind of a big deal around here. And uh, he said, well, you're probably not aware that we have a night off in our itinerary the night before. And I wanted to see if you would like to hang out and do some guys. <laughs> and uh, guys, you have to. Did you say guys, guys stuff? Guy stuff. <laughs> guy stuff. Do you want to do some guy stuff? <laughs> and and you know I'm 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 like playing it cool. I'm like, yeah, Gene, that'd be great. Now the 13 year old Kiss fan inside my head, holy fuck, Gene Simmons wants that. You know, so you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but I played it cool, and uh, we made plans for me to. Uh, I offered to get a limo to ferry us around, and uh, I said, well, why don't I bring a couple other people from the radio station, and I'll pick you up. Uh, at the hotel, and uh, Gene was staying. I think the hotel is still there. Uh, the 
Biltmore in downtown Providence, and it's a, like a National Historic Register place. It's a gorgeous old hotel. Had a great bar room in it, as uh, as I remember. Uh, anyway, according to plan, uh, I the hotel with the limo. Two other uh, folks from WHJY were with me, uh, Sharon Shafino and Chris Herman. And uh, we met Gene, and I want to say, and and I say this in the book, I remember, uh, you guys remember Andre, Gene's uh, bodyguard? Yep, Andre Augustine. Yeah, and I I think it was Andre, but when I went back to do a little, this date supposedly preceded him working with Gene, but I would swear it was Andre, and I couldn't track him down to see. Uh, but, But I believe it was Andre. So anyway... Here's what happens. And, and again, this is all covered in the book, but I'll, I'll, I'll just give you the story here. Um, we get in the limo and I say, Gene, you know, what do you want to do tonight? And he said, well, I'd like to maybe check out some music. Is there any music in town tonight? And Sharon said, well, the only thing going on in town tonight is there's a local band night at the living room. And Gene said, well, let's go check out some local bands. Maybe I'll discover someone very good. And again, local band night at the living room. The living room, uh, an old historic club, great old rock club in Providence, Rhode Island. And like many rock clubs do, they would once a week do a local band night where dozens of local musicians from all over, uh, all over southern New England would show up and they'd, they'd get to do like a 15 or 20 minute set, like a handful of songs. Uh, and, and a lot of these are, are kids in high school. Uh, getting their first shot at playing a nice venue. Uh, so so we roll up to this place, and there's a long walk on cobblestones before you get into the living room. And uh, we're walking along, and I, I, God almighty, I remember this so distinctly. There was a, a rusty piece of shit pickup truck, and there were some kids loading it. They had obviously just uh, had just done their set. And the one kid is loading his precious amplifier onto the the back of the rusty pickup and and gene cruises by him now gene you guys all know he's easy to spot you know he's super tall he he had his hair teased way up uh he had a uh, like a like a body length black leather coat on he walks by this kid and the guy drops his amp and turns (laughs) to his friend and goes Holy shit, Gene Simmons of Kiss just walked in. And uh, it, it was just such a great moment. I, I don't know how badly he damaged his amp. I hope it wasn't bad. So anyway, we all walk into the club and we sort of scatter. It's not a super big place, um, but we scatter. And Chris Herman and I go and uh, we, each, we each order a shot of Jack Daniels which we immediately toast and and we're we're like giggling like schoolgirls cuz we're hanging we're, we're hanging out with Gene Simmons, Gene Simmons on a night yeah. off in the tour it, it's 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 just one of the, you know it's one of the best nights of our lives we think and no sooner do we clink the glasses we don't even get to have a sip Andre comes over and goes too many people got to go and we look over by the stage and there's Gene and he looks like a queen bee in the hive where he's surrounded by the drone bees and they're like 40 deep on him. And, and he's, he's smiling through it, but, um, you know, it's, it's obviously like not a good spot to be. So he extricates himself from the, the situation and we end up back out in the limousine. 
And uh, I, I say, Gene, I'm, I'm really sorry about uh, about what happened. He said, uh, Lou, uh, it, it happens quite frequently. I'm very used to it. Uh, no apologies necessary. So I look at him and say, well, and you got you got to follow along on this next part. Say, what what would you like to do next? And he said, well, you know what? I think I would like to go bowling, but I don't want pussy bowling. I want man's bowling. What the hell? And, and I, I, I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. Pussy bowling? Man, uh, y- yes, I don't want pussy bowling. I want real bowling. I want man's bowling. Man's bowling, I said. I, I want manly balls and manly pins. I don't want pussy bowling. And he's getting, like, agitated. And I, I look at him and go, Gene, honest to God, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Sharon, who is a native New Englander. Now, I'm from New Jersey, so I don't know from pussy bowling compared to man's bowling. But Sharon, God bless her, was from New England. And she leans in and goes, oh, wait a minute. You mean duck pin bowling? Oh, no, yes. Bowl. And, he, and he said, no, that's correct. No duck pins. No pussy bowling. Man's bowling. So, so now we understand. <laughs> and And for folks who don't know. In New England, and I think in portions of the upper Midwest, they have something called duck pin bowling. Now, this is instead of a big, normal-sized bowling ball, i.e. manly balls, uh, duck pin bowling is a ball that is not much bigger than your hand, and the pins are just straight-up pieces of wood. Uh, and uh, the, Gene obviously doesn't like that. So we, we end up, we go to, and I think it's still there, the Cranston Bowl. And Cranston is one of the suburbs of Providence. It's an old Rhode Island town. It's, it's, it's a great town. And this, this was like an old historic bowling lane. So we knew this was the, the right spot to take them. So the limo pulls up to the bowling alley and I say, hey, everybody, hang tight. And I run inside. I ask for the owner. And, and I start like laying on what passes in me for charm. And an older guy is, uh, sir, Lou Brutus from 94HJY, great to make your acquaintance. Sorry to ask for a favor. Uh, I've got a friend out, uh, kind of a VIP out in the car. We'd, we'd like a couple of lanes, maybe down away from the other lanes. I will pay you whatever you would like. I will plug the hell out of you on the radio. Uh, but but um, um, we're not looking for freebies, but I, I really would would you know, maybe like the lanes down at the end and the gentleman. And I really feel bad that I can't remember his name said, Lou, happy to take care of it for you. Get your guy, get your guys, get your people and, and come on in. And, uh, so we get lanes one and two down at the end of the bowling alley. And, uh, they, they kind of buffered off uh, a few of the other lanes and, uh, we go in and we start to bowl. Well, here's the thing. Gene Simmons starts to bowl. He is the best fucking bowler I have ever seen in my life. And I mean, I I remember Saturday mornings uh, or Saturday afternoons on ABC television when I was a kid, when they would have the the pro bowlers and stuff. None of these guys could touch Gene Simmons. None of them were good enough to wipe the sweat from his manly ball. Um, Everything he throws is a strike. And then he starts doing trick shots behind the back, through his legs, backwards, blindfolded, 
two balls at once that are crisscrossing back and forth down the lane. <laughs> boom, wow. boom, boom. Everything is a strike. Finally, like we're halfway through a game, and Gene comes back, and I'm, I'm, it's my turn to go. And I look at him and I go, Gene, how the hell did you get so good? And he looks at me, you know, typical Gene Simmons deadpan and says, yep. Lou, Paul and I have been on the road for several decades. We neither drink nor take drugs. There's nothing else to fucking do out here. <laughs> and, and he says, nice. um, I, and I, I don't mean to brag, but I'm also the best darts player you've ever seen. And I've also caught every major motion picture release. Uh, while we're bowling and we bowl all night. Lou, Lou, I think we, we lost we lost you we lost you for a second there. Lou, we lost you for a second. Oh, oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yep, yep. Okay. Where should I pick up from? Um, you talked about how he was the best uh, dart player, and he saw every major motion picture. Uh, okay. We're because I. Obviously, there's not a lot of road eye on a weeknight, and the the bowling alley fills up, and, and we we kind of get a, a fairly sizable audience of people cheering on uh, Gene. His member correctly, we close time, and when we finally wrapped up, I I go up to the owner and and the staff, uh, and uh, I said I, I can't thank you enough for all this. Please tell me what I owe you. Please let me give you extra. Please let me plug. And and the guy looks at me and said, Lou, I can't take a cent. This is the greatest night we've ever had in the bowling alley. This is really exciting. Can't thank you enough. And and Gene is profusely thanking the gentleman and the staff, and he signed autographs for everybody. And he goes to the owner. And, and again, this is an older guy. He said, um, sir, can uh, what can I do for you? Would you like to come to the, the concert tomorrow? I'll, I'll take care of as many folks as you would like to bring in. And uh, the owner said, no, thanks, Gene. You know, I've got the lane here to take care of. But my granddaughter is your biggest fan. And if you could sign an autograph for her, she, she would be the happiest person on the planet. And, and this story, by the way, gets to the heart of, of why I think Gene Simmons is so tremendously misunderstood and I'll, I'll wrap up that thought in a second but gene looks at the guy and said well where's your granddaughter tonight and he said well she she attends college and uh she's and i think she was the university of new hampshire and he said well let's call her up and sure enough the guy calls his granddaughter gene gets on the phone she screeches and he stays on the phone with her i want to say it was like 10 15 20 minutes answered all of her questions wow. Could, could not have been nicer wow. and, and was as gracious uh, as any rock star I've ever seen. And, and then, of course, the show was the next night, which I went out to MC, and it was just fantastic. And, and, and there's more to the story than that that's, uh, that's in the book. But back to my point about Gene, I, I, I go flat out in the beginning of the chapter and say, first of all, Kiss is one of the great bands ever in history. And I think they are musically misunderstood. Uh, I, I think a band that 
I think is a lot like Kiss in many ways, is another one of my favorite bands from when I was a kid, the Ramones. Now, certainly there are differences in their music, but they both came out of generally the same scene, generally the same time. Both bands are, are, are sort of mislabeled often. Uh, you know, Kiss is heavy metal or, or the Ramones is punk, but both are made up of guys, at least the original members, who grew up in the New York metropolitan area on the pop radio stations, the AM rock and roll stations like WMCA, uh, WABC. Uh, and and really what both bands do is, is really sort of amped up bubblegum music from the 60s. And I don't mean that as a slur. I mean that as a compliment. And yeah. I think both bands, because of their... Uh, physical images were kept off the radio by a lot of people mistakenly because both bands, both Kiss and the Ramones, churned out incredible radio songs. Incredible, and I mean pop in, in the greatest of ways, just popular culture music. Uh, and I think it's really unfair to the legacies of, of both Kiss and the Ramones that um, they are maligned so much. Uh, for their music and and both bands I can attest to uh, were made up of uh, uh, guys who were uh, for the most part really great to their fans didn't always get along with each other uh, both Kiss and the Ramones but uh, uh, but uh, in in all my interactions that I saw in the public uh, both bands were really really great with fans Gene I saw in airports you know signed for people for as long as he could the thing with Gene that I saw is he's just blunt. And if he doesn't have time to sign, he will go, I'm sorry, I don't have time. And if you continue to like keep asking, he'll go, I have explained to you politely, I don't have time. Please do not ask again. He's just honest. He's just yeah. blunt. Uh, and if he has the time, he will give you uh, he will give you all of the time he has. Um, you know, I, I, I again, I don't agree with everything Gene does or says or thinks. Um, but I, I think he, uh, he tells you like it is in his mind and, uh, he's honest with you. And, uh, that's, uh, that's a, a pretty big deal. Anyway, the chapter is in the book and the, the book again is called Sonic Warrior. My life is a rock and roll reprobate tales of sex, drugs, and vomiting at inopportune moments. And it's out, uh, April 14th, uh, from rare bird books. Uh, you can pre-order via uh, Barnes & Noble or Amazon. I think rarebirdbooks.com still has autographed first editions that you can pre-order. I don't know if they've closed that out yet because I think the sales were a lot bigger than they thought they were going to be, um, which is good. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. Uh, and uh, well, it will be out on Kindle uh, and all the other platforms that day. There is an audio book to go with it. Uh, which I've narrated myself in its entirety. Um, and uh, again, each chapter is a crazy rock and roll story. One more thing about the Kiss chapter is sort of background. Uh, it goes into my early love of Kiss, uh, which dates back to growing up in uh, Englishtown, New Jersey. My uh, first concert was Black Sabbath and Ted Nugent at Madison Square Garden, December 1976. That's the basis for the opening chapter of the book, which is sort of the like bio background uh, uh, chapter. That's entitled The Time I Attended My First Concert and Threw Up on Carlos Sanchez because uh, I had the flu and, and made the mistake 
uh, of downing an entire bottle of Boone's Farm strawberry oh, wine, God. passing out, oh. missing oh. Black Sabbath, and then puking all over Madison Square Garden, and many of the people leaving the show that night. Oh. But then, <laughs> two months later, I saw my second concert, February 1977, Kiss on the Rock and Roll Over Tour, and their very first appearance at Madison Square Garden. Still one of the great nights of my life. My cousin Tommy and I uh, managed to uh, score a pair of tickets. And this is Kiss. Again, February of 77, they are white hot. They are the biggest yeah. man on the planet. And um, I know you guys have obviously seen the video from it that night. Yep. It, was, it was not, you know, it was not a professional shoot. I think it was a three camera shoot. They wanted it mainly for posterity because, you know, it was the first time playing the garden. They later played... Um, was it the Omni down in Houston later that year where they did a, a full professional shoot? Yeah. Um, and they have released in dribs and drabs this garden show, at least portions of it. And it always crops up in varying degrees of quality uh, on YouTube. But I was there. I, Which is I was amazing. There. And I still have my ticket stub. Green, uh, green section, color-coded Madison Square Garden. We were on the stage left uh, side of the stage about a third of the way up the garden. They were great seats. And uh, uh, I'm not just saying this. It still ranks as one of the greatest nights of my life. Again, I was 14 years old. Kiss was at their zenith for that portion of their career. And uh, and they were fantastic. They were just, they were everything you would want them to be. Well, and, and also, too, um, you know, full disclosure, I know Lou. And we've gotten to know each other over the last five or six years because he hosts Rockfest in Wisconsin, in Kadat. And he'll be doing so again this year. Uh, and he uh, lives this stuff because he's broke other bands like Five Finger Death Punch. So he plays this stuff on his shows and he loves this music as well. So that's another reason why I wanted to have him on the show. It wasn't just because of the fact that we work together, but I knew this book would be fantastic and, you know, lose the real deal. I appreciate that's very kind. I feel I should put a check in the mail or, <laughs> or add something to your PayPal account. No, you that, can... that that's very kind of you to say. You um, can buy me a Jack and Coke or a couple of them when we're sitting in corporate. <laughs> How's that? Uh, well, we can absolutely, I can absolutely do that. Um, but <laughs> but I, I do appreciate the kind words and yeah, for, I mean, for folks who are unfamiliar and, and there's no reason why they, they should be familiar with me, but um, you know, I've attended over 3000 live concerts, live music events uh, in my life. I've covered things literally all over the world. I've been to live aid, live eight, live earth. I've seen with very few exceptions, probably, Every major touring band going back to the mid 1970s. Uh, and again, now, I mean, I've been hosting these things for decades. Uh, a lot of the bands, like you mentioned, Five Finger Death Punch uh, or, you know, other bands that I was there, you know, uh, essentially before anybody else would be Hailstorm or Slipknot or Seven Dust. I'm, I mean, yep. there's a whole bunch. And again, I'm not taking credit for these bands. These bands all would have exploded with or without me. Uh, I was just smart enough to get on the train before anybody else did, you know? Yeah, but you're um, looking for new and, music, though. That's part of it, though. You're well, not living in that, you know, thing that so many people do where they're, they're unaware of anything new coming out. You got to give stuff a chance. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I think for a lot of folks, they stop 
being interested in new music by the time they, you know, hit college or finish up college or high school and, and, and things start to sort of get trapped in Amber. Um, mm-hmm. and, and listen, I, I go back and listen to old stuff all the time. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm always listening for whatever the next thing is. And I, I love hearing what people are doing with these same chords and these same notes. Um, it's amazing that there are still new things under the sun. Uh, even when people go a little bit retro in their textures and, uh, uh, look behind them, uh, for inspiration to move forward. I mean, there's still so many great bands out there. When people say rock is dead, I mean, I, I use the term, ah, rock is dead, but I use it in a joking sense. You know, when I talk about all the phenomenal tours and the ginormous festivals that all sell out and, and then say, yeah, but rock is dead. You know, there are there are, are tremendous people doing tremendous music now. Yeah, uh, it's lined up for country f- or for rock fest this year is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, rock fest has been getting better and better the last few years. Uh, the lineup is particularly good uh, this year. And uh you know, I'm excited to be out there. And again, I go to a lot of festivals and a lot of shows. Rockfest is one of my favorites. Um, one of the first things I noticed, and, and for folks who don't know, this is Rockfest, Wisconsin. Uh, it's uh, multiple days in mid-July. They've been doing it for decades. This is, I think, my fifth year uh, as stage host. And, and I interview everybody backstage, and I do on camera interviews. And I also do a ton of photography for folks who don't know. So I also shoot out of the pit. So it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty busy time for me, but yeah, he, gets in my my way. he gets in my way sometimes when I'm taking really awesome photos. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you in the pit, by the way? I, I think you were, were you next to, I think you were next to me when Manson came down. Yes. Cause I kept waving him down and he came down and got right in our grill. It was he fantastic, got, it, and 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 he he literally stuck his nose in my lens, mm-hmm. and they are the the most shockingly horrific pictures you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> and 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 he had some sort of you said the word grill. He had like a grill on his teeth. Yeah, and people thought he he his like teeth were rotting or falling out. Um, but yeah, it's a great event, and and one of the things that I like most about it is they treat the fans really good. Once in a while, I'll get to a venue or I've gone to some festivals through the many years that I've been attending and covering these things where they the security isn't so great to the fans uh, or it's not a great fan experience. And it's not like I'm going to dump all over somebody or, or a, 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 a venue or something. But I just don't go again. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. that's that's the simplest thing that I can do. Um, because part of my job is to point out not only good music to listen to, uh, and, and good bands to check out, but also I want to send people to places where they're going to have a good experience. Um, you know, I don't want to send them someplace where they're going to get manhandled by the security. Uh, I want to send them someplace where I, cause I, again, before I got involved in this, I went to tons of shows and there were some places that treated us like shit and I never wanted to go back again. Right. So again, I, I take it very seriously to uh, to make sure it's a good experience for folks. And one last thing about Rockfest, I will in fact be doing book signings there. There's a pre-show party on that Wednesday. I'll sign there, uh, yep. and then I'm going to be doing a signing 
after Slipknot plays on Friday night. I will sign books all night. Uh, we always knew there was going to be a book signing Friday night because it's the next to last night of the festival. It just works out that Slipknot is there, which means I'll, I'll have a lot of uh, friendly, uh, friendly faces in the crowd. Uh, Corey Taylor uh, actually was kind enough to write the foreword for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he was one of the people who, uh, I wouldn't say he encouraged me to finish the book. He sort of busted my balls to finish it. Uh, your manly balls, your manly balls. <laughs> um, he, uh, you know, w- when he was encouraging me to write the book, cause he, he writes books easily. He can write books in his sleep, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, when he said, you know, you've got to put all these these stories uh, into a book. And I said, well, if I'm going to write a book, you're going to write the forward. He said, well, I'll write the fucking forward. Write the fucking book. And he, <laughs> he came to me a little over a year. He came to me a little over a year ago and said, hey, where's the book? You know, I got the forward in my head ready to go. And I said, well, you know, I want to add some more stories and I want to make it longer. And and he looked at me <laughs> like I'm the dumbest guy on the planet and said, you fucking idiot. You just write a second fucking book. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was right after that I finished up the book and 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 got the deal with the uh, the folks from uh, Rare Bird Books Publishing. And, uh, Perfect. And I got a book coming out. So there you go. Lou, Lou I got a couple questions for you. So sure. you've, you've obviously, as you said, you've seen thousands of shows. Which one stands out as the best performance you've ever seen? Like single greatest performance by a band? Yeah, yeah. You know, which one just made such an impact on you? And and it can be for whatever reason. You know, you know, a lot of KISS fans will go, oh, well, nothing compares to the first time I ever saw KISS. But you've seen so many bands. Is there one of them that was just made you go, wow, this was just it? That is such a great question. And you know, I'd probably answer it differently every time I'm I'm asked it. Things that pop into my and I'm just gonna throw a bunch of things at you. Extreme doing a medley of Queen songs at the Freddie Mercury tribute show at Wembley Stadium, which if I remember correctly was nineteen ninety two. It was my first time over in London. Uh there were much bigger bands on stage that day. And Queen set later, which featured all these different singers filling in for the late Freddie Mercury. That was pretty spectacular. But Extreme did the smart thing because other bands played that day. Metallica opened that day and and, and they did like a three or four song set. Def Leppard did like a three or four song set. Extreme did like a 15 minute medley of Queen songs. And it it people were just going apey. People went crazy. Uh, Brian May had introduced the band. Uh, and uh, after they the full band played electric, um, Nuno Betancourt, guitar player, uh, Gary Sharon, who later went on to Van Halen on vocals, sat with an acoustic guitar and they did Love of My Life, which they then did into uh, like sort of medley into the only song of their own they did that day. Uh, their ballad hit more than words. And again, I don't know if I would say that. I'll mention some other bands with great sets, but that was just such an incredibly played and well-chosen set uh, that it comes to mind. But the first Kiss show uh, I saw that I mentioned, that was one of the most spectacular things I ever saw. Um, Metallica in Tuck... Actually, a couple of Metallica shows I'll tell you about. 
Uh, one was Metallica in the, uh, some people would say Eskimo Village. That's actually sort of an impolite term. Uh, an Inuit uh, native uh, mm-hmm. village on the north coast of Canada called Tuktayuktuk. They did a private show up there. Uh, it was Metallica, Hole, Veruca Salt, and Moist. Metallica set up there because it was just so crazy to be almost literally on top of the planet. You're not only up in the Arctic, you're north of the tree line, so nothing grows above your shins. There's actually a a chapter uh, on that show in particular in the book. Uh, The chapter is entitled, The Time I Went to the Arctic and Got in a Mosh Pit with a Bunch of Kids in Polar Bear Fur While Metallica Sang About Sodomizing a Goat. <laughs> and the uh, the goat the goat sodomizing line uh, is in response to they they closed the set out that night with a, a tune that I really grew to love um, originally by the Anti Nowhere League a great pub uh, punk band from Britain uh, Anti Nowhere League so what and for a while that, that that almost became sort of a signature song for Metallica. They even when they did a, a, a multi-night stand in Chicago in like 96 or 97, they opened the show uh, with that song for me by request. Uh, I think Kirk and Jason came by before the show and they had been listening to me uh, on the air uh, in the car on the way there. And uh, I had played so what a heavily edited version, of course. Uh, and, and they're like, we're, we're playing it tonight. We're, we're going to, we're going to open the show with it for you. And I'm like, yeah, bullshit. And they did. Wow. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, other great bands back to the original question. Um, Frank Zappa, uh, I could name a few Zappa shows that I saw for, for just raw musicianship. Frank Zappa used to put the greatest musicians on stage ever. Uh, and, and in particular, some of the bands on his final tour, the 1988, uh, which I saw at the Beacon Theater in New York, Mulder in Philadelphia, his last show in the United States, which was Nassau Coliseum on that tour. Uh, those bands, which featured many guys, uh, who were phenomenal, including Mike Keneally, who is somebody everybody should look up. Um, those performances were great. Um, you know, I remember seeing Frank's last public appearances. I flew to Frankfurt, Germany to see him perform with a classical group, the Ensemble Modern. I cleaned out my uh, I cleaned out my save my meager savings at the time to fly to Frankfurt for the weekend to see Frank conduct this classical group. And uh, he only made the first and third shows. He was too sick by then to make the second show. And uh, they were supposed to move on and play Berlin and Vienna. The musicians did. Frank was so ill from cancer at that point, he went home and he passed away not too long uh, after that. So, uh, listen, there, there's a hundred other bands and shows I could probably name. Uh, you know, the Dead Kennedys, seeing them at City Gardens in Trenton, New Jersey uh, on the first tour was spectacular. Uh, the Ramones, I saw so I saw the Ramones 50 times. They were always great. Uh, Slipknot. Uh, towards the end of the first tour where they would, uh, oh my God, they did a Halloween show at, I want to say it was the Hammerstein in New York and then closed out the tour the next night at the Electric Factory in Philadelphia. I got really drunk that night and tried to stage dive from the balcony. Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, and uh, somebody, somebody caught me by the belt buckle and uh, uh, <laughs> belt loop and kept me from going over. But again, I'm sorry. I apologize. It's such a long answer, but it's such a no, hard no, question no, no, to no, answer. No, 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 no. You know, this, so, this, this is the sort of stuff I love to to get into people's minds is like, well, what? Because nobody's answer is right or wrong because it's all driven by your personal feelings and moments and what you were doing and where you were at. And But it's always interesting to hear these from other people. Um, right. the, the other question is, obviously, you've heard so many bands, played so many bands on the radio. Now, right now. Is there one or two new bands that we should listen to, that we should pay attention to, that people haven't heard of yet? Um, that people haven't heard of yet. Well, that that's, you know, I'll, I'll just fire off some bands that I think are really good, that are or new or, or fairly recent. Uh, again, I don't know what's new to people and what they've heard. Um well, you know, actually, well, here's a guy who's been around for uh, uh, quite a while. He's in one of my favorite bands, but uh, technically he has his first solo album out now, Clint Lowry. Now, everybody knows him from Seven Dust for decades. Seven Dust, I think, is yeah. probably the most underrated band on the planet, uh, although it may be a tie with Cheap Tricks. Um, but yeah. Clint uh, has been a part of other bands like Dark New Day, and he, he's played in other aggregates before. But this, he has his first solo record out. So I would say, you know, Clint Lowry is somebody great to listen to. Uh, a band that I love dearly, that I, I've seen a lot, that I I really hope becomes a stadium sized band is the Struts. I think good, the Struts are. Yeah fucking incredible i can't believe they haven't exploded yet um and again they're an example of a band you know i I made the reference a little bit earlier bands that like look back and look forward at the same time now now they know how to take what we'll call classic rock textures but turn it into something new and turn it into something that is their own and in particular i think on their their last album, Young and Dangerous, they, they had the perfect person to work with uh, to, to sort of do that because there's nobody who understands doing that better than Butch Walker. Butch Walker, who I first saw in a band decades ago called South Gang out of his hometown of Atlanta, then he uh, created sort of an alt-leaning band who was equally tremendous, even better actually, I think, The Marvelous Three, and he's been doing solo work since yeah. then, but he also is a top-notch producer. He produced Seven Dust, too. He's worked with a ton of people. Um, but his work with the Struts, I, I mean, that's one of the, the... Young and Dangerous is one of the best albums of the last 10 years. Um, and I think, from what I hear, they are working uh, on another record together, which is phenomenal news. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's a new album very soon from Avatar, uh, yes, I love that. A Swedish metal band. They should be huge. Yes. Uh, Motionless and White, who have been around for a few years now, so they're not exactly new, but they're another band who should be much bigger than they are and, and who I think can can break big. Um, I would add this moment to that list, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, in this moment, and again, they've attained a very nice amount of success, but nowhere near what they deserve and nowhere... 
near what I think they they have the potential for. Uh, right. Ice Nine Ice Nine Kills. If you're into very, very theatrical very cool. rock, is another great band. Uh, they just got announced with a tour with Breaking Benjamin, Papa Roach, and I Prevail here in the U.S. I think they just wrapped up a tour in Europe with Papa Roach and Hollywood Undead. They are a phenomenal group, and they're they're cool guys. They're they're fun to talk music and horror movies with, of course. Yeah. Um, well, you know, let's. So, and 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 actually and i'll I'll throw one other non-hard rock like totally different music uh in the mix here just because i I listened to it non-stop the last couple of days oh bones uk wait bones uk is another band another album uh that you have to check out now a lot of people have just seen them for the first time they were on the road with corn i saw them open for the struts and glorious sons last year Bones UK is a band to watch and a band to listen to. Just get the whole debut record and check them out. But um, uh, another uh, 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 fairly newer artist, and, and again, it has nothing to do with any of the music I play or any of the music we've been talking about, but Variety is the Spice of Life, Soccer Mommy. Uh, I believe... Uh, now, Soccer Mommy is the name used by she's a singer songwriter from nashville i want to say her name is sophie allison but she goes by the moniker soccer mommy and she has a brand new record out uh entitled color theory and it's uh, you know if i was uh, gonna put it in a ballpark with something you know very mm-hmm. mellow liz fair yeah. some of the ballady stuff from veruca salt like but it's, she's stuff. definitely much her, her own thing uh and and this record a super mellow it's sort of acoustic-y and shoegazing sort of you know uh, dream pop but it's a tremendous record and uh, that's well worth listening to uh, as well because again I, I mean I try and even for stuff that I might not naturally gravitate towards I, I like to know what's going on you know yeah. I, I like to hear what everybody is doing and, and a lot of times th- then uh, I'll go super retro after something like that one of my favorite bands to listen to is the Ink Spots the vocal group from the 30s and 40s yeah. um, and, and they were one of the forerunners to rock and roll um, they were they were one of the first bands to take, um, you know, they did popular vocal music back then, but they would also take sort of rootsy music um, from the American South and um, and and do their own thing with it. So, again, it wasn't rock and roll, but it was the step or two before people started to figure out what rock and roll would eventually be. So, uh, again. There's so much good music out there. You can you could live 50 lifetimes and not hear it all. And that's why I think it's important for people that love music to go to these festivals, because you're going to hear so many of the bands you just mentioned at these different festivals. And that's where you learn about new bands to follow, because let's face it, we talk about this all the time, Lou. Kiss and some of these other bands, they're they're going to retire. It's going to be done. So if you want to keep going to live music shows, you got to find other bands to support. And the best way is to get out there and see live music. Yeah, I mean it, it's 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 something uh, I say on the air all the time. Well, there's there's two points I should really bring up uh, towards what you just said. One is I don't care if you're younger and you listen to just new heavy music. You are a damnable idiot 
if you pass up the chance to go see Elton John or Paul McCartney yep. or the Rolling Stones, who just announced some more stadium tours for uh, the U.S., there is a reason that these artists have been around for more than 50 years, and it's because they are fucking great. And yeah. when they are no longer touring, something very great has passed from the world. Right. And, you know, even in their seven, like Paul McCartney, and I go see Paul McCartney all the time, whenever I can. The guy is in his mid to late 70s. He does a close to three hour, 40 song show. It's awesome. The Rolling Stones, like I've gotten to go out and shoot them from the photo pit the, the last few tours, uh, including I was over in I was over in London. My daughter was going to school over in Oxford, and it just happened to time out with the Rolling Stones tour. And I'm like, all right, uh, uh, you know, Jagger, 76 years old, he could kick all of our asses. He could run oh, circles sure. around us in the heat. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're crazy not to go see the these older bands while you can. The other point I wanted to make was when you go to these festivals, when you go to any show, get your fucking money's worth. Go and see all of the bands because the band that is the baby band, the fifth on the bill, the one getting the baby band set when the doors open at 7 p.m. could be headlining a stadium 10 years from now. Yeah. and You'll be able to say, I saw them way back when I have seen so many phenomenal groups as openers some of them became huge and famous others maybe not so but were still great I, I i mean you know some of the bands that i saw open for kiss through the years that garden show sammy hagar was the opener uh, right. and i remember the first time meeting him years later i said oh my god sammy the first time i saw you you were opening for kiss at the garden and he looks at me and he goes dude how could you even mention that that was like one of the worst nights of my life and he breaks up laughing he was sitting <laughs> excuse me on the edge of the stage and as we all know kiss fans back then they were they were like slayer fan bad to open up for they didn't give a <laughs> shit who you were um sammy is sitting at the edge of the stage with like a lap guitar and some jackass in the first row takes off his chuck taylor and whips it at him from like 10 feet away and sammy i think just cut the set short and was like good night um <laughs> But uh, some of the other bands I saw open for Kiss through the years, uh, Detective, uh, oh, yeah. The Rockets, uh, New England. Um, uh, I remember seeing Alice in Chains open up yeah. for Kiss. Alice in Chains, who I first saw open for Van Halen on the 5150 tour. This was a chapter I didn't put in the book. This is a story I didn't put in the book. Um, Alice in Chains was brand new, and I'm doing a broadcast from backstage at the Providence Civic Center, Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, I'm live on the air and I'm in the middle of a break and they bring Lane Staley over. Now, I haven't had a chance to shake the guy's hand or introduce him or warm him up. He just sits down and we are live, live, live. So I figure I'll, I'll, I'll toss the guy a super easy question because he's still getting settled. Um, and uh, I said, well, hey, Lane Staley, great new band from Seattle. Allison Chains, Lane is here. Uh, Lane, while you get settled, you know, how did you guys uh, end up getting on the tour? And he pulls the mic right into his mouth and says, I fucking blew the road manager. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks a million, pal. My guest has been Lane Staley. Of has, been. <laughs> has been. Has <laughs> been. And that was that. <laughs>
Uh, that was my big Lane Staley interview. Um, well, you know, I, but, take, and, and, I, Lou, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, there's something I don't want to forget to ask or talk about. Oh, sure. Yeah. I take you back to something you said earlier, because all of us are huge Cheap Trick fans. They're one of my favorites. I would love to know from your perspective, why are they such a hidden gem why did they not get what they deserved because their songwriting is impeccable they're they're phenomenal musicians they play great live what was it that screwed things up i i think and much in the way seven dust is not as popular as i believe that they should be i think cheap trick is has just had some you know some hard knocks through their career and 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 some were self-inflicted um, but for the most part, they, they, you know, they just had bad luck. You know, the In Color album has some of the greatest songs ever recorded. Yeah. But the record company fucked up the mix and they made it poppy and they made it light instead of giving it a harder edge. And it killed their momentum then. Um, yeah. You know, they had the Dream Police album ready to go. Chock full of hits. But the Budokan album exploded. And it did so good, and, and, and it sort of broke them out, which was good, but it went on for so long, they had to sit on the Dream Police album too long, and that kind of ruined things for them. Uh, uh, you know, th- there have been a lot of other things. They, they've had some, some really not good management. Um, I, it's just it's frustrating being a fan of theirs. And yet they take it in stride. I was just with them a couple of weeks ago. They played the Warner Theater in D.C. They yeah. actually let me uh, help uh, uh, craft the set list. Um, if you go to their website, a lot of the photographs on there are photographs of mine. Um, I, I love Cheap Trick. They 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 they're like family to me. Uh, I'm I'm I know all of their wives and their kids, and and they know my family and. Uh, I see them as much as I can. I, I hopped on the bus with them for part of December. They were out with uh, ZZ Top. Cheap Trick is simply one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time. They might, in fact, be the greatest straight-up American rock and roll band in history. I agree. And, 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 and that takes into consideration many uh, all the other great bands that we've had here. Kiss, Aerosmith, Cheap Trick is fucking brilliant. Uh, my, my friend, my friend Colin Gowell is a great musician out of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and I got to know him uh, when he was on Epic Records in a band called Watershed. And Watershed still gigs. They're a phenomenal group. Very cheap, tricky. Uh, it was Colin who summed it up the best. He said, if you ever want to kill every musician in a particular town, all you've got to do is wait for Cheap Trick to play the local club uh, and then blow it up. Because every musician for 100 miles is going to be there. Both yeah. Cheap Trick and Seven Dust are bands that musicians love. People who know music know how fucking good Cheap Trick and Seven Dust are. If you go to a festival, now I see this more often with Seven Dust, but I've also seen it with Cheap Trick. Um, if either one of them are playing a festival, you look, don't look at the band. Don't look at the band playing. Look at the side of the stage. Look at the wings. Yeah. Every other musician who's there that day is going to be there wondering why Cheap Trick or Seven Dust is so much better than their bands, because they are. No, yeah. You know, there are bands as good as Cheap Trick and Seven Dust, but there aren't bands that are better than Cheap Trick 
or Seven Dust. And uh, on, on, on top of it, both bands are phenomenal human beings with great families and everything that I, I, I love them all and I, I adore every one of them in, in, in those groups. Particularly Cheap Trick just because they go back to my childhood and, uh, you know, even though I've seen them 50 to 100 times, I think at this point, uh, it's still a thrill every time they hit the stage. What's your go? What's your go-to Cheap Trick album? Ooh. Lately, the last few now, now for many years, that probably uh, 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 would have been, um, you know, I could have said Budokan. Uh, it, pro- it probably would be Heaven Tonight for many years. But the last couple of years, it's been the Steve Albini version of In, In Color. Color. Yes. Uh, and ju- just for folks who don't know, now uh, I mentioned the In Color album, which again, the original version is fine because the songs are so good, but it's just not as great as it could have been because they, they the, the record company Epic at the time sort of gave it a, a, a candy ass mix. Um, however, back in the 90s, Cheap Trick went and re-recorded it with producer Steve Albini. And they've never released it, but it's floating around. You can find it if, if you look. It's fucking awesome. It's just so good. Um, yeah. and, and there's lots of extras on it uh, and other songs. And uh, it's, it's just, it's one of the great albums ever recorded that most people don't know uh, exists. Uh, yeah. I would also say their 1996 or 97 cheap trick album called the red ant album getting yep. back to the bad luck cheap trick has had yes. they recorded it was going to relaunch their careers they did a self-titled album black and white cover and the, like the week it was coming out the record company the indie label they had signed to went bankrupt yep yep and yep. it was just like and they had the store lined up with stone temple pilots which i saw uh, in fort wayne indiana and, and many of the headlining shows You're like what the fuck you know, Tommy and I were look. just talking about that record when when I was in Minneapolis. Oh yeah. my god! Because is... we're we're talking to each other about our favorite Cheap Trick song, and, and mine's uh, Eight Miles Low uh, off that record. Oh, oh! I can't believe you said that. <laughs> I every time I go see them, and and again they'll 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 ask me what I want to hear. Uh, 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 ahead of this Warner Theater show, I sent a set list. I sent a set list and said, hey, you know, and, and I, I, I knew how to structure it. I know how they structure their set list. And I, I, I know what songs that they have to do and, and, and sort of have the ebb and flow of what, where you should do a big song and a ballad and all that stuff. And for the most part, they used it. Eight Miles Low might be my favorite cheap trick song. And I begged them to play it every time. And, and Robin, uh, I was with Robin and his son, who also plays in the touring band, Robin Taylor. And oh, by the way, Robin Taylor has a great record coming out very soon, which you guys should definitely check out. You should have him as a guest on the show. Um, uh, anyway, uh, I said Eight Miles Low, and and Robin was like, "Dude, we have no idea how to play that anymore." I'm like, "You got to rehearse it. You got to play the song." I have been begging them to play that song for like the last ten years or so, and and uh, I. I, I can't believe you brought that song up. Eight Miles Low. Like, th- you know what that, that reminds me of? It sounds like it could be on Quadrophenia. It sounds like yeah. a blues song from Quadrophenia, you know? Oh, I'm so stoked you brought that song up. What, yeah. what a, what a, oh my God, what a genius song. And it's only like, 
when you take out the drone at the beginning, it's only like a minute 57 seconds, a minute 55. It's, it's a brilliant song. They've got so many of those. I beg them to play up the creek all the time. And Robin just laughs at me like, yeah, right. That's never going to happen. So I feel your pain. Yeah, yeah. but you, you never know. Like the last several years, they have been far less hesitant about pulling out lost gems. They played fan club a night or two before I saw them in D.C., yeah. Which was a song I almost put on the set list and then uh, noticed that they had played it. So, uh, so, I, so I put eight miles low in that slot, but didn't get it. Lou, 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 one, one, one final question here to discuss. Yep. What's your go-to Kiss album? Destroyer. That, that, that's actually an easy one to answer. Destroyer. Because Destroyer is, um, I, I have a term that I use for albums I use the term, it's revolver good. If an album is as good as Revolver from the Beatles, I call it revolver good. And Destroyer from Kiss is revolver good. Um, there's uh, everything on it is genius. Bob Ezrin did a great job with all the extras. And I know some Kiss fans hate that album and they hate what Bob Ezrin did. Um, that album, uh, and, and again, I remember that album when it came out. I remember seeing them on the Paul Lynn special. And I remember first seeing the cover uh, on a T-shirt at a, uh, an arcade contest stand in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. And I remember seeing Gene's boots and just going, what in the living fuck are those things? Like, though, I thought, I still think Gene Simmons' dragon boots are the greatest thing, of the great, greatest thing I've ever seen worn by another human being. Um, and, and again, I just, that album, it was just like one of the coolest, most exciting things I ever discovered when I was a kid. And that's why I've been a, a fan for life. You know, so, have you, have you seen them on the end of the road tour? Uh, no, uh, there were two shows I was supposed to attend, but then had to fly to other shows because of work stuff. The one show that I did see, uh, I, I produced a live broadcast for Sirius XM uh, from the Whiskey A Go Go, I was at the Whiskey A Go Go show. Oh, nice! And, Excellent. And yeah, that was pretty good. Um, but I was supposed to be in Greensboro. I didn't go to that show. I was supposed to be. I think it was Charlotte. Didn't make that show. There was one other show on the tour. Uh, I, again, uh, you know, a lot of times I I go to shows, but I don't go to the shows that I want to go to. Right. You right. know. Because of work-related stuff, so well, they're coming uh, out and, and, and maybe stuff. maybe next time I'm on, if if you guys will be kind enough to have me back, I'll tell you the story about going to the Revenge uh, rehearsals, which was the last place I saw Eric Carr. Actually, I'll just tell the story real yeah, quick. Yeah, go you for want. it. Go for it. They were recording at SIR. Excuse me, not recording. They were uh, rehearsing, uh, and uh, I was doing my show in uh, Catalina Island for a few days that week, and then I booked a studio. Uh, in L.A. for a couple of days, and I started calling rock star friends I knew to, to book some guests. And I, I called Gene, and he said, well, we're, we're currently rehearsing for our new record, uh, so I can't make it in. Uh, but why don't you come to our rehearsal, and we can tape something together, and you can air it the next day. And I, I said, wow, great idea. That was very, again, super kind of Gene. So I go to uh, with my uh, program director, uh, a guy named uh, Bill Waterman, who's at WMMR in Philly right now. Um, and uh, the two of us show up and we hear the band wailing through a song and we, we open the door to this rehearsal room and there's so much gear. We have to like 
squeeze against the wall and and kind of shimmy against the wall to to get inside and and here's the the four kiss members and uh there's a guy in the middle older gentleman had a suit on with no tie and the band he stops the band no 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 you're playing don 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 gene god damn it i want don don da don don do it now do it again and and Gene just nodded his head and, and said, oh, "Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'll get it right this time." The only time I saw Gene take shit from anybody, and the same thing happened with Paul. And and these guys just didn't say a word back to this guy. And then right in the middle of a, a, a tune, uh, the guy stops him and goes, "Up, uh, oh, I got to pick my daughter up from dance class. See you tomorrow." And he doesn't even look at Bill and I. He just leaves. And I point at the guy after he leaves, and I go, "Was that?" And Gene nods his head and goes, Lou, you just saw the force of nature that is Bob Ezrin. <laughs> and I almost pissed in my pants. I never thought I'd, you know, the kid, like the guys from Kiss, I'd been around a lot. So I, I knew how to handle myself. Seeing Bob Ezrin in the flesh yelling at Kiss wow. was, was beyond the, and again, the only time I saw Gene and Paul ever, and and and, and that's just I, Bob showing them how to do the song. And uh it was fascinating to watch, and uh, I consider myself very lucky for it. So that's cool. Great story. Thank you very that, much. That and, is awesome. And thank you again for having me on. I know we're going to wrap now, but and, uh, yeah. So let's uh, do let's do one more plug for the book and and your you, website. Yeah. Uh, plug away. Plug away. Yeah, Luke. let me plug away. Um, the book is Sonic Warrior. My life is a rock and roll reprobate. Tales of Sex, Drugs, and Vomiting at Inopportune Moments. You can pre-order now. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or rarebirdbooks.com. I would also encourage you, though, to buy from a local bookstore. Because if you don't support your local bookstore, you're going to end up with no bookstores, just like there ain't no record stores. And that sucks, because my favorite two things to go to are bookstores and record stores. Yeah. Um, I have uh, a book tour on the way. Uh, including um, Saturday, April 11th, the Barnes & Noble at the Menlo Park Mall in Edison, New Jersey. Uh, that Monday, I know I'll be in New York. Tuesday, April 14, which is the day the book and the audio book and the Kindle all come out. Uh, I believe Bloomington Normal, Illinois. Wednesday, uh, April 15, I will be at Lion's Mouth bookstore in green bay wisconsin thursday april 16 i will be at vaudeville muse a great rock club in des moines iowa friday april 17 i will be at harley davidson of madison wisconsin they have an awesome event center there so we're going to do a big old book signing there and at these i will read from the book uh, i'll do a q a i'll do a book overview i'll sign everything there will be books available for sale uh, at all of these venues, even the ones that aren't bookstores, we are tying in with local bookstores uh, to do the sales. Uh, there will be lots more bookstore uh, and other book tour appearances. Uh, and everybody can find out more about all my other work, including my syndicated shows, uh, Hard Drive and Hard Drive XL. Go to loubrutus.com. Uh, also, I'm very busy on social media, as you guys know, at Lou Brutus on Twitter and Instagram. Lou Brutus Rocks on Facebook. They are all verified accounts, so they're easy to find. And uh, really, I could go on for hours with you guys. This is my favorite thing to do. Music geeks talking music geek shit. Exactly. That's what life is all about. So, so Lou, Lou, 
I'm, I will make a promise for us. You are going to come back on the show, and we'll really get into just some rock and roll talk. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can, I, you know, I was born, I was born to talk about rock and roll. You know, uh, it, it's, I, I, it's all I've ever wanted to do is be on the radio and hang out and and, you know hang out and talk to bands and, and, and try and be cool. You know, I was four or five years old watching, you know, a hard day's night on television, wanting to be one of the Beatles, you know? So, uh, everything I do is, has come out. What's that? Who doesn't want to be a Beatle? Yeah. You, you know, know? Yeah. I mean, I, I did the, you know, I, I was doing the book tour stuff in Vegas last week and, uh, I, I, I have some of the Beatles jackets, the black shade jacket and the tan shade jacket from, oh, nice. um, Beetlesuits.com. Uh, Russ Lease out of uh, Maryland uh, does great uh, Beatles uh, clothing, and you don't look like Sergeant Pepper because that would make you look like you're insane. Uh, but he's well, yeah, cool. but you dressed like you dressed like um, what's his name last year? That was pretty good. Um, oh, Hunter Thompson. Yeah, Hunter Thompson, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a story in the book where uh, I'm dressed as Hunter Thompson, chasing a buck naked Corey Taylor around the stage, who's got duct tape and a plastic bag around his junk uh uh and uh he's running around the guys in shadows fall who are doing their opening number it was a close uh, a tour closing prank then the wisconsin state police rushed the stage and uh well you can read the book to find out (laughs) (laughs) thanks lou we really appreciate this was awesome thank you so much for sharing your stories my pleasure and and remember it's sonic warrior hashtag Buy my fucking book. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thanks so man. much, Lou. Fascinating discussion with Lou. Loved it. His uh, his Gene Simmons story, manly balls, not pussy bowling. As Lou was telling me that, I'm like, you know, because bowling's been in my family's history. I mean, my 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 grandparents owned a bowling alley i've worked in bowling alleys and i'm like i've never heard the term pussy bowling before yeah winthrop what? minnesota yep. bowling alley. there you go and um as he was going on i'm like i'm thinking to myself uh i bet gene's thinking of duck pins which yeah. at, you know lou, lou dis- discussed that briefly but yeah duck pins is like a miniature version of real bowling and I don't know if it even exists anymore. It was poor man bowling. Yeah, you know, you didn't have a full-length bowling alley. You didn't have – the balls were literally like bocce ball size. Is there that were, feather bowling? I, we have that here I called don't, feather bowling. I don't know. I'm not familiar with could feather be. bowling. It could be. And, you know, the pins are very small. That's that. When you started describing it, that's what I think we have. They do it in some of the – how you say um, – Ethnic parts of, of town, um, they they call that. It was really big um, in a certain section of Detroit, and there's a place that still does it. Yeah, you know the the thing about duck pin bowling or, or feather bowling is, it's it's much cheaper to put together. The quote. Yeah, because this alley. was more like bocce ball. Yeah, right? it, that's really what it is. It it is on hardwood, but you don't have you know automatic pin setters and again yeah, the, the ball the ball you just grip in the palm of your hand and you roll it out there and pins are small um a, a cheaper version 
of bowling. And I don't know when it was. I'll have to go online and Google it to see when it was much more popular. But, yeah, the fact that Gene, Gene's like, pussy bowling. I don't want no pussy bowling. I want manly bowling. What the <laughs> fuck is manly bowling, Gene? <laughs> and just so anyone, if anyone makes a con, because I, I left midway through, I was taking care of Kiss Business. I had to uh, take care of some stuff uh, now that, uh, you know, and I saw that uh, Tommy mentioned us and me specifically. Uh, Mark's was, involved in all sorts of KISS business yeah, lately. Yeah, so uh, I had to go uh, take care of some KISS business for the documentary. You had to go and, work for our bosses? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that when that call came in, I had to jump on it because uh, that person had been trying to get a hold of me the last few days, and they need to speak to producers, and it was just Nonstop. I so, mean, uh, I, you know, back back to Lou. I encourage everybody get his book, follow him online. I mean, this is a guy. He's got amazing photos. He takes in concerts. He actually does photography for um, Major League Baseball as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, he, he he's got his his thumb on the pulse of rock and roll. I mean, he's he's on top of all these bands. So if you follow him, you're without question going to be introduced to some new music. Yep, I agree. He's a good guy. I've known him for about five years now. So, yeah. So, homework. Have you ever played pussy bowling? What do you prefer, pussy bowling or manly bowling? (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And here, here's what I would say is, the next time any of our listeners do a meet and greet with Gene, go up and ask him if he'd like to do some pussy bowling with you. There you go. Or does he <laughs> prefer manly bowling? Yeah, what do you prefer, Gene? Pussy bowling or manly bowling? <laughs> See what he says. Uh, homework, uh, do you, are you um, familiar with Lou? Have you, have you listened to his radio show? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, Sirius XM, Hard yeah. Drive. Yeah. Have you listened to them? Are you familiar with them? Um, yeah, I'd just love to hear what 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 people's uh, answers are to those. There you um, go. You know where to go. Facebook.com slash Three Sides of the Coin, our group and our page. YouTube, as always, website. Um, man, you can't leave comments on Spotify yet. Spreaker, Instagram. I don't know. We're everywhere. I can't even remember all the places. We're everywhere. It's just the three sides of the coin world you live in. Yes, it is. Um, so, of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that little red subscribe button. If you're listening to us on Spotify, follow us. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, leave us a review and a rating. All of it would mean so much to us, knuckleheads. And uh, I... Let me double check. I haven't confirmed it, but I'm pretty sure we have we have somebody from the Smashing Pumpkins joining us next week. Yes. That should be interesting. And he's a huge KISS fan. Huge. So, that's it. Three sides of the coin. We're out of here. See everybody next week.
you love the show, go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks. Download your free free copy of the KISS School of Marketing. 11 Lessons I Learned Working with KISS. The number one downloaded business book on Noise Trade. Go to books.noisetrade.com slash Michael Brandvold. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.